0: Hello CFL fans! Welcome to the first ever edition of our nation's only independent Canadian Football League podcast, No Fair Catch. My name's Jack, and over the next year or whatever it is that long this podcast decides to go, until I get bored with it anyways, or people don't want to listen anymore, uh, I'm going to be doing my best to bring you all the news, information, insight, and editorials that you as CFL fans will be interested in I am in no way affiliated with the Canadian Football League. I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing it because I love the CFL and because as a member of uh, the fan base of the CFL as opposed to somebody who's a part of media relations, I feel as though I can get away with saying a lot of the things that other people can't. Sometimes I feel like CFL media relations are too sugar-coated or the CFL's handled with kid gloves a bit. Uh I would say probably the only two people that stand out of my mind as being, you know, willing to say it like it is a lot of the time are uh, Rash Madani of Sportsnet and Matt Cause of the CFL himself uh CFL itself. Uh, however, I'm gonna be laying out just the way uh just the way it is i uh, open to talk about whatever I want because I'm not at a risk of losing a job. So anyways, I hope you're excited as I am uh, to get this first ever podcast kicked off. I think it's going to be really great. We're going to start off talking about free agency. Uh, free agency 1.0 is what I'm going to be calling this podcast because I'm talking about the first day of CFL free agency. It's about 830 Eastern time on the 15th. So it's the first day of free agency. And I'm just going to start breaking things down uh, team by team uh, for you to uh, check out all the names of people who were signed. And uh, I can just talk about them a bit. Uh, the first name I want to talk about uh, is Kerry Coke. Kerry Coke was one of the first free agents signed today. He was signed by Edmondson. And I think if you asked Eric Tillman right now how he feels about his day as, a, uh, as the Edmonton Eskimos GM, he would feel pretty bad about himself. He's going to lose out on Brennan Labatt. Now, Brennan Labatt, uh, formerly of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, has not actually signed anywhere as of right now. However, it's virtually an inevitability that he's going to be signing with Saskatchewan with Brendan Tamman. But more on that later. Uh, but uh, Eric Tillman didn't put in an offer for uh, the big fish this year, who is Andy Fantuz, um, who's, uh, again, we'll talk about more later. Don't worry. Uh, so I think probably Eric Tillman's feeling pretty bad about himself. But I'm actually giving him a great grade this year. Last year, he went out and he did the big, flashy signing of Chris Bauman, who was one of the, uh, the highly coveted free agents, formerly of, uh, of Hamilton, number one uh, overall pick in 2007. Uh, He signed uh, Chris Bauman to a huge, huge deal. Uh, I think it was something like 130 Gs he was signing for. And this was a guy who wasn't totally proven and, of course, ended up going out on the field in 2011 and doing nothing. He, uh, he didn't do much. He signed for very little uh, uh, about a month ago with the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, so Eric Tillman did not make the big splash this year. However, I love what he did. He signed Kerry Coke, who never really got the chance that he deserved in Saskatchewan. I don't think Kerry Coke's a game-breaker. However, he's certainly an import receiver who's worth having on your team, and I don't think he signed for very much money. So it's not much of a cap hit if he comes into camp and breaks his finger again like he did in 2011. Uh, not that that's likely, it's a freak occurrence. but I think it's a good signing. The signing that I'm most impressed with, of course, is Don Ramassian. Don Ramassian, uh is a Winnipeg boy, he went to the U of M and then signed. Uh, was drafted by the Bombers. Uh, I think it was in 2007 as well, possibly 2008. Uh, in fact, yes, it was 2008. He signed, I think it was a, he was a late round pick, fifth or sixth uh, round pick. And uh, Donnie O, as they call him, because Ramassian uh, is a ridiculous last name to pronounce and spell all the time. But uh, Don Ramassian was signed uh, by the Bombers uh, to an extension, I think, a couple years after he was uh, drafted there. And um, I assume that he'd be signing back there this year because he's a non-import and he's the perfect guy to replace Doug Brown. Because Doug Brown's going to be retiring from the Bombers. Uh, Doug Brown's been anchoring that bomber off our defensive line for something like 11 years now. I think his, uh, 2001 was his first year at the Bombers. But uh, Donnie O, I figured, would be the guy in the middle there uh, to, uh, to take on you know, the, the starter's role from Doug Brown. Um, as I read up today on Twitter, uh, Donnie O uh, was being interviewed by uh, one of the big, uh, big media guys in Edmonton. His name escapes him right now, and um, he said he actually didn't even get a contract offer uh, from the Bombers, which I think is ridiculous. Joe Mac, shame on you! Uh, I'm not impressed at all with that. Because um, I was thinking, I was wondering about, uh, I was wondering about how Donnie O. Uh, was not signed by Winnipeg. You know, kids in Winnipeg, they grow up dreaming to play for the Bombers. You know, it's the same way in Saskatchewan. Kids grow up dreaming to play for the Riders. Or in Hamilton, kids dream of growing up and playing for the Buffalo Bills. Oh, sorry, did I just say that? (laughs) Sorry, no, I kid. Tiger Cats fans, I kid. I love you. Um, But anyways, um, I figured that Yo would be re-signing um, after all, he's got very little competition along the defensive line of the Bombers for a non-import starting spot. And in Edmonton, they have a whack load of people who are, who are willing to play defensive line for them, who have signed with them, uh, who are, you know, like, like uh, for example, like Etienne Legare, who's been there for a few years now, uh, re-signed just this past off offseason, uh, playing in the middle, and Ted Laurent, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's Laurent or LeBron, um, but either way, he was uh, drafted last year in the supplemental draft after Quito Pobla, and um, those two guys were in the middle. And, you know, every team wants to have, you know, two interior defensive linemen who are Canadian who can start. And the Edmonton Eskimos already have that. And uh, rumor has it Donio oh got basically starter's money to go there. Um, so I would say great job by Eric Tillman getting him from Winnipeg. Shame on you, Joe Mack, for letting him go. Um, I think it's a great signing. He's only 25, I believe. Uh, so he's super young. His best days are ahead of him. And he's already had three years under the late, great Richard Harris uh, to improve his skills. And um, certainly adding young Canadian talent, especially in the trenches where you need it, is always a huge thing. Thumbs up to Eric Tillman. And, you know, he is going to lose out on Brendan Labatt, but at the same time, he just signed Simeon Rottier, uh, about a couple weeks ago, and he's not going anywhere. He just built a house in Edmonton, I heard. Um, so Simeon Rotier uh, he already, you know, he's a young, he's another young Canadian guy uh, who's going to be a great uh, offensive tackle for them. And that's another thing. Like, Brendan Labatt might be more of a pure offensive lineman. He might be a better offensive lineman, a lot of people are saying then. However, Simeon Roche, he plays on the outside. It's far more difficult to find somebody who can play tackle who's a non-import. A lot of teams now go with the two uh, import tackle spots. Simeon Roche, however, can play on the outside. He will play on the outside. And that gives Edmonton a huge advantage, while Brendan Labatt is much more of a pure guard. Moving on to Brendan Labatt. I want to start talking about uh, Sa- uh, Saskatchewan, and um, I want to talk about how uh, how fan and media pressure um, I think have really got into Brandon Taman's head. I think Brandon Tamman knows a lot of things that he's not willing to share with us about last year. Uh, having uh, a guy like um, uh, the retired Ken Miller uh, still within the organization kind of controlling everything and uh, and Saskatchewan is a bit of a different b- different ball game than every other city across Canada because the rider fans you know rider fans are rider fans and they act like rider fans and they're they're, they're such an amazing fan base um, and in Saskatchewan there is the riders everywhere else uh, across our great country there's another team there's another thing big within the city obviously in Vancouver you know the Lions are a big deal but they're you know they, they can't hold a candle to to what the Canucks are doing especially given the success of the Canucks have had over the last couple years. Um, you know, even winning at home, winning the Great Cup at home, that is, um, you know, isn't going to project the Lions uh, over top of the uh, the Vancouver Canucks in that area. Uh, is that justified? I, I kind of think so. Um, it's more of a hockey city. But with that said, you know, in Saskatchewan, the riders are everything. Everybody loves the riders. Everyone's talking about the riders. And so being a general manager in Saskatchewan is extremely stressful. I can only imagine. Uh, The nights that Brendan Tamman has getting to bed sometimes after losses. Um, And the same thing goes with that whole coaching staff. I think it takes a lot of guts and a lot of balls to take a position uh, coaching in Saskatchewan. Because if you screw up in Toronto, you're not going to hear about it at the grocery store when you're waiting in line. In Saskatchewan, though, of course, you're going to be hearing about it everywhere you go. Um, So for that reason, I would say... Brendan Labatt, I think, chased Brendan, or sorry, Brendan Tamman, I apologize, Brendan Tamman, I think, chased Brendan Labatt uh, so greatly uh, because of the pressure put on by the public. Brendan Labatt you know, was born in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. I'm sure he wanted to be drafted by the Riders when he was drafted by the Bombers in 2008. And um, I think he's always wanted to be a rider. However, with that said, he's about to sign the biggest contract that I think any offensive lineman has ever gotten in the CFL. Possibly the biggest contract that any Canadian has ever gotten in the CFL. Uh, That's not, uh, I haven't uh, done any research into that. You know, it's possible that somebody like Ben Cahoon perhaps got more at one point. However, uh, he's rumored to be signing with the riders for more than $200,000, which is ridiculous. Um, you know quarterbacks are always the highest paid players in the zfl and I think the lowest paid quarterback who's starting right now is buck pierce and uh, That's about that. That's that's a little bit more. I think than he was rumored to have re-signed with for the bombers um, Granted buck pierce's contract has some more um, incentives in it. Uh, however, Brendan labat a two hundred hundred uh, thousand dollar Signing base is just ridiculous. It's crazy um, Will he live up to that? You know different people are saying different things Personally I'd be tempted to give the signing a very tentative thumbs up. I I, I mean I personally think that two hundred G's is too much to spend on anybody who's not a premier quarterback in the CFL or a real game breaker. I mean a real game breaker like you know, somebody like Jamel Richardson in Montreal might deserve, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar contract. That's so big for the CFL. Um, but Brendan Labat's gonna get it uh for for playing um guard the only thing that i would say is you know Simeon roche again like we talked about him signing in edmonton i don't think that Simeon roche is as good of an offensive lineman as brendan labatt however he can play the outside brendan labatt you know he's six four i think it's two or three hundred and twenty five pounds ish as he's listed on wikipedia and um and that's just a little bit too big, I think. A little bit too chunky to be playing uh, outside of the tack or outside of the guards. I think he did it a couple times in Winnipeg this past year, uh, with Chris Greaves uh, back up uh, filling in in the guard spot. But at the same time, that's not really Labatt's natural position, and I don't think that's exactly where he wants to be. He wants to play guard, and for an interior offensive lineman, I don't know if two thousand two hundred thousand is the best uh, is the best option uh just simply because guards aren't expected to do as much in the cfl they're not your main quarterback protectors you need to have an outstanding left tackle uh if you want to be a premier team in any football league you know you don't want your quarterback you know the ricky rays and the anthony Calvios of the world dropping back to pass and having you know defensive ends able to easily uh swamp around your left tackles you want to make sure you have somebody great there and brendan labatt is going to be playing in the middle of that offensive line. Mind you, with the other addition that the that the riders made today, which is Dominic Picard, they're going to have a great uh, uh, interior offensive line. It likely means that Gene Mikowski, you know, the lifetime rider, is out of luck. He's probably going to get released. Um, I can't see him getting traded just because he's so, so, uh, so late in his career. I think he's 38 years old. And plus, he's already got his job as an MLA in Saskatchewan, I believe. Uh, so he's probably on his way out. Uh, however, the Saskatchewan Uh, interior offensive line just got a lot younger and a lot better Uh, so definitely uh, good news for uh, for the run game in Saskatchewan Uh, Brandon West who's likely going to be taking the leading uh, running spot there uh, good for them Uh, I'd I'd give them a thumbs up for today Uh, good signings and um, they did lose Kerry Coke to uh, to Edmonton but they're going to be able to find another import receiver somewhere along the line plus they still have Dressler uh, so even if they lose twos, which is also a huge thing, we're going to talk more about Fantuz later in the show, even if they lose Fantuz uh, and Coke, uh, hopefully Tamman can find somebody else for them. Uh, we'll see. Only time will tell. Moving on to the next active team uh, today, we're time to talk about the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers now. Uh, I've already mentioned Joe Mack. Shame on you, Joe Mack, for getting rid of Donnie or not offering him a, uh, an olive branch uh, back on his football team. Uh, foolish of Joe Mack to let um, a good, talented uh interior defensive lineman who is a non-import especially and especially non-import that's such, that's such important such an important element of the cfo games having quality young non-imports uh but he joe mack let him go uh but aside from that um i would give joe mack a thumbs up for the re-signing of glenn january who this year was a uh, the eastern uh, all-star at right tackle um he is an import and he's not exactly young i believe he's 29 he might be 30 now i'm not 100 sure uh, but he was a journeyman who went to, you know, Toronto and Saskatchewan. Now he's finally found a home in Winnipeg. I know he's very good friends with Doug Brown, who continues to make his home in Winnipeg, I believe, anyways. And um, so he's a, he's a good signing, and I don't think he he's earning much more than he did last year. Uh, so a soft cap hit. And um, I'd also give the Steve uh, Morley signing that we that happened a few a few days ago a bit of a thumbs up. I think when that Steve Morley signing uh, was made official, that was kind of Joe Mack bowing out over the Brennan Labat race, because uh, I'm sure, you know, re-signing Steve Morley, he probably got a bit of a pay raise um, as a non-import uh, guard. He's not as good as Brennan Labat, I don't think, but he's not a bad guard by any means either. Um, he, he definitely would have got some interest on the open market. Um, so I would say... You know, decent job done there. Um, today would have been disastrous, however, if the Bombers hadn't got uh, the most prized um, import wide receiver back with them. That's Greg Carr. Um, again, as of right now, Greg Carr hasn't actually uh, 100% re-signed with the Bombers. However, it's looking like he will, and uh, that's huge uh, for the Bombers. Carr is six foot six. I don't know why they don't throw him the ball more. I think it's ridiculous. Um, their new uh, offense coordinator, Gary Crowton I'm sure, is looking at the the roster right now and just licking his chops, waiting to see how they can get this guy the ball. Because every time the Bombers used him last year, aside from just a couple games, uh, they seem to always be throwing him little hitch passes and trying to get him the ball in traffic. And it's like, no, get him on the outside, let him do the Calvin Johnson thing, run up to the corner of the end zone and just grab it. Because you know what? If they're going up even the against the best corners in the league, you're going up against guys like Dante Marsh, who are, you know, 5'9", 5'10". Just get Greg Carr the ball, let him jump up, give it right up there. You know, Buck Pierce I think only had 14 touchdown passes this year. That's pathetic. When you got a guy like Greg Carr able to catch the ball down the field, get him up the field, and uh, and you know, first step I guess, however, is getting him back on your team. So I mean, I would say, you know, the Bombers ultimately didn't have a great day. You know, it's never a great day when you lose young Canadian talent, which they did in Brendan Labat and they did in Don Aramasian. I would say there's not much more they could have done with Brennan Labat, just because it was so expensive and he wanted to go home to Saskatchewan and play for the Riders. Um, however, disgusted with what happened with Donnie O. But whatever, Joe Mac, he gets an average grade. He'll pen out, I would say, maybe a C-plus or a B-minus if we're giving, if we want to do the whole schooling thing and give letter grades. Now, I don't think any, other, any of the other teams in the CFL actually made a signing today. Those are the only three that did. Uh, however, I want to talk about—next, um, I want to talk about the BC Lions, uh, who re-signed recently, uh, Dante Marsh, Ryan Phillips, uh, the two of them, the uh, the two defensive backs there, um, because ultimately the BC Lions have had a pretty good offseason. Uh, they had the very disappointing retirement of Jamal Lee, who really never realized his full potential. Only 24 years old, Canadian, Canadian running back. Um, who uh, retired recently due to, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what I read anyways, was he uh, supposedly is having some hereditary like like family medical issues uh, he's concerned about developing. So he's stepping away from the game. uh, But good for him for at least having the courage to do that. I know a lot, Not a lot of athletes are able to necessarily think about life after football. They're so obsessed with making it. So if it's for his health, good for him stepping back from the game. Uh, however, for us as CFL fans, it's a bit. It's a bit demoralizing because we always love to see you know young young talent hit the field, especially when it's you know a non-import player who can who can really bring something to the field. Uh, and BC, it does look like they're going to lose Aaron Hunt. But personally, I don't see the big deal about this. You know, Aaron Hunt is a good player. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. However, the defensive line, uh, when it comes to finding imports to play along the defensive line, is pretty easy. That's why I'm not you know, holding it against Eric Tillman that he's going to lose Greg Peach to free agency. Losing Greg Peach is not a big deal. Is that to say Greg Peach is not a good player? No, of course not. However, it's very easy to find people to play along the defensive line. You look at Winnipeg. Everyone's talking about Winnipeg's defensive line this past year. They found all these guys who can play. They have Odell Willis locked down for a long time, but they have... You know, guys coming off the end, Kenny Maynard, they have Jason Vega, they have Fernand Kashama, they have, oh, actually, Fernand Kashama is Canadian. Uh, however, they have all these guys who can come off the end. You know, they in the middle, they have Dorian Smith and Brian Turner, and all these guys. It's not hard to find import players to play along the defensive line who can really make a difference. You know, in, in, uh, all across the league, we have guys who come up every single year and make a difference uh, playing along the defensive line who are imports. It's not difficult to replace those guys. Now, I know Aaron Hunt is a bit different because he is a veteran. He's been a BC line forever. But trust me, it won't be as hard to fulfill that spot as it will be for uh, for some other spots. That's why, for example, Aaron Hunt didn't get a call today from what I heard. You know, I heard that there was a little bit of interest uh, coming from Montreal for him. But, you know... That he, there's, anyways. My point is, there's a reason why his phone wasn't ringing off the hook, and why guys like Brendan Labat and, um, you know, good young non-import players were jumped on today, like Dom Aran, Sion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Anyways, my only other complaint with BC would be that some of the defensive guys that they resigned are getting up there in age a little bit. Dante Marsh turns 31 uh, this month. Uh, Ryan Phillips is already 30, or he's turning 30 this year, I believe. Uh, you know, they re-upped uh, Anton McKenzie as well earlier this month. He's he's also turning 30 this year. Uh, and Paul McCallum, of course, he was re-signed this offseason, and he's as old as, like, Jesus in the world of football. 42 years old is, like, ancient. Like, he's almost dead old age. That's how old he is for football terms. But with that said, BC, because they have such a strong team, uh, they want to keep that core of guys together. I think it's a bit dangerous, you know, to keep such a core of older players together, uh, especially guys who play, you know, speed positions like Marsh and Phillips uh, for a long time because, you know... You know, Once those guys hit, you know, 31, 32, 33, they can start to slow down, and you don't want a big group of your guys hitting a wall at the same time because that's going to mean that at one point you're going to have to bring in a whole bunch of rookies, fresh people, or splurge in free agency on guys that may not be a good idea, a la Montreal last year signing Dwight Anderson, who obviously did not pan out at all. But, of course, Anton McKenzie, good signing in BC, um... And I would say keep that group together for at least one more year because they were so good this this past season. I don't care what the Winnipeg uh, Swaggerville says. BC was the best defense in the in the CFL last year. Winnipeg's was very good, but BC's was better. It's good that they've kept that uh, together for one year. I'd be worried if they're keeping it together for another year after that, start getting some fresh blood, uh, especially considering that they just uh, signed uh, Linjay Shell, who I don't believe is very young. And they're looking at signing... Um, Uh, Byron Parker, uh, away from uh, Toronto, uh, who's also a bit older, I believe. He's turning 30 this year as well. Um, So, you know, it's not a great idea to have a bunch of old players together playing. uh, But again, BC has a good defense. They can get away with it for at least one more year, and they should be a very good defense again this coming year, regardless of whether or not they have Aaron Hunt back, especially given that, hey, I forgot to mention Khalif Mitchell. Khalif Mitchell's signing in BC was outstanding. I mean, this is – like, I I thought that – uh, Jim Barker uh, re-signing Corey Boyd to a three-year deal was amazing uh, last year because simply Corey Boyd would have had NFL offers up the wazoo uh, if he hit his option year and was able to go down to the NFL and have a bunch of tryouts. Uh, but he decided to stick around in Toronto for, uh, for three years, and, and, I, and that's another amazing thing. He didn't even just want two years. He got a three-year deal, uh, so he's under contract for another two years. And uh, I think that uh, Wally Buono, uh, that was, I think, his first big signing as uh, GM, Not, no longer head coach, uh, just the GM of the uh, B.C. Lions. And he gets about a thousand thumbs up from me. He gets an A-plus uh, just for signing Khalif Mitchell, because he was, here's another guy who would have had NFL deals up the wazoo, uh, but decided to, to sign long term in B.C., and not even test the free agent market, that's another thing. He didn't even want to go and see what other teams were going to offer him uh, after this season because I believe this season would have been his last year under contract with BC. Uh, he was willing to sign for the money that uh, that Wally Bono was going to offer him, which is good. Good for him. He is an import. He's not a non-import, but when he's, you're as good as uh, Khalif Mitchell... Um, And as young as Cleef Mitchell, because I believe he's still in his mid-20s, it's definitely always a good time uh, to have a guy like that on your team. East to uh, Toronto, uh, the city that uh, I was about to call our nation's capital, but no, it's not our nation's capital. It's just just the city that uh, all Americans think is our nation's capital. Uh, So, although hopefully soon we'll get the, uh, you know, every year it seems like they announced that Ottawa is going to be another year away, but hopefully they'll be back soon. Uh, But Toronto, is uh, uh, they made no signings today. Uh, Not very surprising. Jim Barker did uh, famously say last season that uh, signing players in free agency uh, lends itself to overpaying for players, which, hey, if Renan Labatt is pulling down 200 Gs a year, I would have to actually partially agree with Jim Barker, even though he seems a little bit crazy, Uh, but crazy in a good way. Uh, but anyways, with that said, uh, they signed Mark Parento a few uh, few days ago. I think that was on uh, Monday, so two days ago, uh, which is a quality signing. Mark Parenteau is a serviceable guard. He's a bit of a journeyman, uh, played in uh, Winnipeg uh, for a few years, went to Saskatchewan. He was there for three, four years. Uh, but you know what? He's a uh, suitable uh, non-import guard uh, who probably didn't make that uh, too much money, so he was less of a— and, I, and also, actually, I should say this. They lost Dominic Picard to Saskatchewan. But uh, I would say Mark Parento is, is probably uh, you know at least comparable to Dominic Picard. He's not quite as young, uh, but he's I'm sure less money than it was to sign um, Dominic Picard to a new contract. Um, I, w- I do have some concerns, however, about just the h- whole offensive line of the Toronto Argonauts. Um, chances are they're going to be losing Rob Murphy, um, and Taylor Robertson, uh, who's uh, starting starting outside tackle and uh, and uh, starting. Um, uh, offensive guard for those two guys uh rob murphy uh former uh, most outstanding offensive lineman with the bc lions i'm not sure if he did that once or twice but i know he certainly did it at least once um he's you know the uh, the nastiest player in the cfl all that uh he's also a hilarious follow on twitter please check him out uh he's hilarious he's got three kids down in florida and when he tweets about them it makes me laugh every single time uh it's great stuff um you know Toronto does have one very young uh, import uh, offensive tackle who was playing this year because Rob Murphy was out for most of the season. Uh, his name is Edon Kaufman, and he looked pretty good. Um, he's got huge hair, which is which really looks uh, awesome and super badass for a guy who's you know 300 and whatever pounds uh, and black uh, from the uh, from the states. Um, so he looks cool, uh, and I think he did a pretty good job uh, out there opening holes for Corey Boyd and Chad Kackert. Um, and also, it's not easy to, to block for you know a, a quarterback who's a, a very unpredictable. Uh, runner. Uh, you know, somebody like Stephen Giles last year in Toronto wanted to take off every single play. It's hard to block for those guys. It's not easy because, you know, if you get a, a, a drop back passer, you know where they're going to be every single time they throw the ball. You always know, you know, as a tackle I have to block this exact way. You don't have to worry about somebody running the bootleg suddenly completely improvising a play and changing it up, whereas uh, the Toronto Argonauts last year, Stephen Giles had to do that. And it seemed like even at the age of 23 I think he is, uh, he did a pretty good job of uh, adapting to that and doing a good job of blocking the uh, The uh, Toronto Organizers do have some other depth on their offensive line they have uh, Joe Appel uh, who's coming back for another year at guard um, Cedric Gagne Marcoux Jeff Keeping uh, Chris Manziel like they have they have a lot of guys uh, who can come out and play and they're all non-imports and uh, Chris Manziel does play some guard uh, pardon me some tackle as well um, so hopefully he should be able to fill that, uh, fill part of the hole that um, Rob Murphy is going to make when he leaves. Um, some people are saying he's going to go to Hamilton, but really he could end up anywhere at this point. Um, but uh, but anyways. Um, oh, and also I, I have to mention, absolutely have to mention, um, you know, the, the uh, Jason Pottinger uh, resigning, Pot- Pottinger, par- pardon me, Jason Pottinger uh, resigning in Toronto is a huge thing. Uh, McMaster product uh, he's still pretty young he's I think he's 28 or 29 uh, around there uh, he's a young guy and uh, he's one of the very few Canadians in the CFL who can play middle linebacker hopefully we will one day see a great middle linebacker and former first overall pick um, Enoch Mwamba in Winnipeg. Uh, but really, aside from that, uh, Shea Emery, who was one of the big prizes of that 2008 draft that brought us so many great players, you know, Brennan Labatt, Andy Fantuz, who ironically are probably the two biggest catches in this year's free agent class. Um, but, but you know, Shea Emery is a great find uh, for Montreal Alouettes. He's a great middle linebacker, and he's Canadian. But, um, you know, Jason Pottinger, I believe, is the only other middle linebacker in the league who's Canadian. I, I, I'm i like 99% sure that I haven't looked, at, looked it up quite yet. Uh, I haven't looked it up yet. Anyways, I'll look it up after this and, you know, I'll maybe post something on my blog if if, if it changes. Um, but anyways, um, I, I think that, you know, for the most part the Toronto Orgonauts are staying the course and uh, I appreciate Jim Barker um, bending to whatever Scott Milanovic wants uh, because really I feel like that's what a GM should do. Sometimes the GM seems to throw stuff at the head coach and hope it sticks. Um, but I really like the idea of a head coach being able to say to his GM, go and get this. You know, we saw that earlier um, uh, today actually with um, Eric Tillman you know he made such a push for Donio uh Don that is uh because Kavis Reed said he wanted him uh Kavis Reed having worked uh with Donio for 1 year in 2010 that would have been um in Winnipeg uh when Kavis Reed was the defensive coordinator there Um, Moving on anyways, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the Calgary Stampeders, a little bit bit about the Calgary Stampeders anyways. The Calgary Stampeders didn't really do anything today, they didn't make any signings, and they actually have very few free agents. They're really just kind of staying the course uh, with whatever it is they have going on right now. Um, It's looking like they'll lose veteran R.J. Franklin, uh, who's rumored to be uh, headed to Saskatchewan, uh, probably filling the void that uh, Jason Claremont's going to be making when he uh, eventually retires. Because um, I'm assuming he's not going to get a gig, um, which, is, which is a bit of a shame because, you know, Jason Claremont, you know, had so many great years in B.C., never really panned out um, in Saskatchewan. Um, but anyways, I'm off topic. Um, the only other hit that uh, I think the uh, the Stampeders will really see is if they don't get Burke Dales back as their punter. Don't get Burke Dales back, which I don't think they're expecting to. I, I only see him going one of two places, which is Hamilton, if they fail to re-sign Justin Medlock, uh, which they should be trying to do. Justin Medlock, oh my goodness, such an amazing kicker. Um, you know, everybody talks about Paul McCallum because he's so old and he's, you know, he's he is Canadian and he does such a great job at, you know, a ridiculously old age. But with that said, if I had one kick that I needed to win a game and I could pick any kicker in the CFL, I would hands down pick Justin Medlock every time. He's outstanding. Um, but if they don't get him back, I expect Hamilton to make a push for Berkdales. If he doesn't go there, I think the only other place that he could go is Winnipeg. Uh, they def- they definitely need a punter there. Um, you know, Jamie Boren looked terrible in the Grey Cup and he was already their second punter after Mike Renault uh you know somehow forgot uh forgot how to kick and punt you know after uh, uh, a pretty solid 2010 season that he had um uh, but that really leaves it up for Calgary and I got I want to mention too John Huffnagel is the coach and GM in Calgary obviously and um I I do kind of like his view on on free agency I think it's a lot it's very similar to uh to Joe Mack's view and Jim Barker's view of uh you know free agency lending itself to overpaying for players but um you know, Joe Mack then again doesn't like to pay for uh, quality, young, non import defensive tackles. So uh, we'll see. I don't think John Huffnagel uh, is overstepping that at any means. Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job this offseason. And actually, you know, him locking up Drew Tate and John Cornish is, you know, a huge, huge step if you're a Stampeders fan. Um, you can't do much better than those two guys. They're young. They're going to be great for so many years. You know, we saw Henry Burris and Joffrey Reynolds, you know, working together and playing together so well for almost a decade in Calgary. And I think we're going to see Drew Tate and John Cornish leading the way in Calgary for another decade. And you know what? They won a great cup with Hank Burris and Joffrey Reynolds in 2008. And I can only imagine how many great cups they're going to win with Drew Tate and John Cornish. If they don't win a great cup with those two, Uh, At some point, because I think they're both only 27, Um, if they don't win one over the course of the next eight years, I'm going to be shocked and dismayed, and uh, I think everybody else in the CFL will be, because Drew Tate is an outstanding young Texas quarterback, and um, uh, obviously John Cornish is an amazing young Canadian uh, there's a reason why he was named the top Canadian uh, heading into this season, and you know what? He only upped his stock, I think, because he is uh, such a great player, especially with Jerome Messam also signing with the Miami Dolphins to the NFL. Uh, the only other big-time uh, uh, non-import running back is gone, you know. And I, I understand that uh, uh, Andrew Harris would get mad at me for saying that of BC, but Andrew Harris, I want you to prove yourself a little bit more. You had one great season. I want you to. I want you to have another one. Uh, before I start including you in the same conversation with John Cornish, not import running back. So I want to talk a little bit about the Montreal Alouettes, the uh, the, the team that everyone kind of thought was going to the Great Cup last year, um, and somehow you know ended up losing uh, at at the Big O, where they never ever seemed to lose in the playoffs, uh, to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, who have since kind of seen the core of their team exploded. But a little bit more on the uh, the Tiger Cats later. Um, the Alouettes this season had a pretty quiet offseason. They re-signed Etienne Boulet, which is a huge, huge, huge success for Jim Popp. Um, Etienne Boulet is a great, great uh, non import defensive back. He was huge uh, to re-sign for that team. Um, and I kind of like the fact that um, Jim Pop has let Marc Estelle... Uh, kind of do his own thing. Same thing with Jermaine McIlvain, uh, do his own thing in free agency. I don't think that these are guys that uh, the Alouettes need to run out and sign. Uh, Marcus Dell has had some injury problems. He's getting up there in age. I think he's turning 31 this year. Um, and, you know, Jermaine McIlvain, uh, I think he would be pretty easy to replace. Again, I've talked a little bit about how I think, you know, it's easy to replace, uh, um, uh, excuse me, how it's easy to replace import defensive linemen, and, um, you know, I don't think Jermaine McIlvain will be that difficult to replace, especially for someone who is Jim Pop, who has such amazing connections, who always seems to be finding the, the next amazing players, you know, the Brandon Londons, the Brandon Whitakers, the, you know, so many great import players that come through Montreal. Um, and I kind of like the fact that Montreal's gotten a little bit younger this year. They cut a uh, long-time defensive tackle, Eric Wilson. They cut a long-time defensive end, Anwar Stewart. Um, you know, they let... Um, bit of a changing of the guard in montreal which i think is important because they you know i've talked about this a little bit with the bc defense i think that you know montreal is a bit guilty of hoarding some older players trying to keep an older group of guys together which isn't always the best way to go you can have some older players for example scott flory uh non-import guard uh two-time outstanding offensive lineman in the cfl re-signed at the age of 35 with the montreal Alouettes, and i think that's a great signing simply because scott flory is such a great player yeah he's old i understand but you're allowed to have some veterans. Every team needs to have a veteran uh, present uh, on both sides of the ball um, and in the clubhouse because they can be such character guys who young, young players can look up to and, and develop under. Um, but with that said, you can't have an entire team of veterans. You need to have guys coming in fresh every single year because otherwise you're going to hit a wall, like I said with BC, and you're going to have to bring in a whole bunch of rookies, rookies. Um, and your team's going to be garbage for at least one or two years, or you're going to have to go and spend a ton of money in free agency, uh, which is only going to hurt you in the future. So I like what Montreal's done, uh, out with some of the old and in with some of the new, uh, but not losing all the old pieces. Um, one, one actually, one thing I forgot to mention when we was talking about the Riders is that they did sign Paul Waldo away from the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, he's a uh, young non-import uh, defensive back um, out of uh, originally born in Saskatchewan, um, and I think he's a good signing uh for the riders just because you know he's one of those guys who can run around like a maniac on special teams and hit people and he's got the right passport as a canadian so that's good good for him and um and for montreal i don't think he'll be that difficult to replace um you know there's always guys in the uh, especially in the in the cfl draft late round picks uh who can come in on uh who has linebackers or defensive backs and you know make uh you know uh, bruise people on uh, punt returns kick returns that kind of thing possibly the team that, you know, is the most interesting come free agent time every single year. I'm talking, of course, about the Hamilton Tiger Cats of Iverwind Stadium. Uh, Bob Avilovich is the least afraid um, G- general manager in the CFL by far of making huge shakeups and changes within his organization um, as he did last year or this year again you know we're uh, quickly trading Kevin Glenn bringing in uh, Henry Burris quickly getting rid of Avon Coborn bringing in Martel Mallet and I, I would say the Martel Mallet signing um, is good and bad uh, for, for, for different reasons it's good because Martel Mallet I believe is a good running back um, he's young. I think he's only 25 still, despite the fact that he's been in, the, been in professional football for uh, uh, quite a few years. Um, however, it's bad given that uh, he's making six figures. I don't know why anyone would pay an import running back six figures to play football on the CFL. When you look across the league, you see guys like Chad Cackard in Toronto, the uh, Marcus Coker, uh, Marcus Thigpen in Hamilton, formerly, uh, now of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, or, you know, Chris Garrett in Winnipeg or um, even, um, you know, somebody like um, Brandon West in Saskatchewan. You see these young guys come in from uh, colleges in the U.S. They get paid minimum money, so, you know, roughly $45,000, whatever that is, and they can light it up for a few years because they have agility, they love the open field, and I don't see any reason why any GM should go out there and spend an extra 50 grand, like double what it might otherwise cost them to find some rookie who can run like, like the wind uh to bring in somebody like martel mallet uh but with that said maybe he'll make me look stupid this year by having a great year but i will mention that hamilton and this is this is going to sound terrible and i know you know i do want tiger cat fans to listen to my podcast and i don't mean to rag on you because they already did rag on you once but you know hamilton is a bit like the washington redskins of the cfl it's where free agents go to die And that sounds so bad, but it's true if you look at the names that have come through there signing big free agent deals. I'm thinking of guys like Tony Miles, Casey Printers, Richard Carey Carey, Sandro DeAngelis just recently had this happen to him as well. You sign a huge deal in Hamilton, and then you suddenly forget how to play football. I don't know what happens. It simply does, which makes the, wait for it, Andy Fantuz. And I feel I feel the need to say his name because you know this whole day has been about him. He's not even in the country, and he hasn't put pen to paper. And not only that, he hasn't decided on a team yet. But you know, Andy Fantuz has just been like the 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 he's he's basically the messiah right now within Canada, um, because everybody's just been talking about him all day. Um, you know, lots of people on Twitter were calling today Andy Fantuz Day. Uh, because he was finally a free agent after you know he's been on the writer forum as you know the number one topic for a thousand years, and he's been the talk of the league for so long, and he's the most coveted free agent I think the CFL's had in probably five years. Uh, But anyways, um, Andy Fantuz, uh, I think he will sign with Hamilton, Uh, you know, Bob Avilovic. He loves, Avilovic, sorry. Um, I believe, you know, he's been saving his money. Like, normally he's the guy who goes out on the first day of free agency and splurges. Like, last year he did it immediately with Avon Coburn, bringing him in to try and put them over the top of the Montreal Alouettes um but he didn't do that today why because he wants to spend them, his money on Andy Fantus. he wants to let you know the Edmonton Eskimos and the uh the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and let all these other teams spend their money so that when Andy Fantuz is ready to make a decision Hamilton is the only team that can afford to give him the money that he wants and the money that he's going to get is crazy he's probably going to get as much as Brendan Lebat or more to have two non-import guys come come out of uh, how to come out of the bombers and riders respectively, and suddenly make uh, uh, d- uh, free agent deals that are greater than I think any other that we've seen uh, for Canadian players in the CFL. Um, that would just be, you know, I, I mean, that would be. Uh, uh, such an amazing thing. And also, it's really going to be interesting to see the aftermath of these lebat and Fantuz deals. See how next year, when young Canadians are making deals to re-sign with teams in free agency. Uh, sorry, re-sign with their, their original teams or tra- uh, test out free agency. See the kind of money that they're offered. Because, you know, Ben Heenan, for example, is coming up, uh, projected to be the number one pick. He's supposed to be one of the best Canadian offensive linemen to come through the draft in recent history. What happens when he gets drafted? And then hits free agency for the first time because for Brendan Lebat that means two hundred thousand dollars for Ben Heenan, who knows if he pans out and he probably will, considering what they're talking about uh with him being so amazing uh you know he might be entitled to two hundred and fifty by that time, who even knows, which is just amazing that people can afford that. Um, I mean, of course, we may see the pendulum shift the other way if this Lebat deal or this Fantuz deal doesn't work out. Um, but at the same time, I think we might also just see exponential growth in salaries in the CFL. If the salary cap is expanded, uh, I think we will see that. Um, I don't think that will happen, so we might not. But again, only time will tell. This is pure speculation for something that's going to be way down the road. And if the CFL continues to be doing as well as it is right now financially and keep progressing, who knows where this could go. Items in the Hamilton offseason, I foresee you know pretty much good things for all the things that uh, that the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats can foresee and control. I mean, obviously, losing Justin Hickman and um, Garrett McIntyre uh, were ne- those those were never things that the Hamilton Tiger Cats wanted to do. Um, with the uh, with Justin Hickman just recently signing with the Indianapolis Colts, and Garrett Mick, uh, Garrett McIntyre leaving actually before 2011 uh, for the uh, the the New York uh, Jets of the uh, the NFL, and actually managing to stay there, one of the few people who was able to. Um, you know, so that w- that was not part of the plan for Hamilton, but um, you know, I think if they can re-sign uh, Justin Medlock, who again is, in my opinion, the best kicker in the league, he's not Canadian, which is a problem, but you know what? If he kicks as well as he does, I think it's worth having an import uh, to punt and kick if they can do it as well as Justin Medlock can. Uh, Aside from that, I think that uh, Hamilton—oh, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to mention something that I saw on Twitter today, and it bothered me. And you know what? I understand that the CFL needs to foster interest in the the Canadian Football League uh, in Ontario. Toronto and Hamilton are the least supportive uh, fan bases for their respective football teams, which is a problem. It's a big problem. I understand Ontario is the media hub of Canada. We need to have more interest in Ontario However, I can't help but complain about this tweet I saw today from Caretaker Bob or Bob Young, owner of the Tiger Cats. He tweeted earlier today uh, at about, I think it was 7 o'clock Eastern time, Andy Fantuz is on vacation in Africa. Always wanted to go on an African safari to bag a big cat. Winky face. Hashtag Ticats. Hashtag CFL. You're kidding me. I saw this, and I immediately got upset. I've seen tweets like this from Bob Young before. This is a millionaire. He's made his money in technology. He's obviously a brilliant man. I know that he's done a lot to create interest in the Tiger Cats, and we need him as an enthusiastic owner in Ontario. We need him. The CFL needs him, and we absolutely need to respect him uh, because he is trying to build interest in an area where the CFL needs interest built. But this kind of... I won't curse. This kind of stuff drives me insane. Bob Young, you are an owner. You should not, I mean, think about the NFL for a moment. Jerry Jones. No one likes Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones's team, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, of course, if you're not, you know, an NFL fan. The Dallas Cowboys perennially suck and everybody hates the Cowboys. Why? Because Jerry Jones is a hands-on owner who drives everybody insane. And, tweeting stuff like this oh I want to go on an African safari and catch a cat that just drives me nuts I think it's bothersome I think it's irritating I think it's immature and that's coming from a, mul- a multi-millionaire businessman uh, it just bothers me. You know, he did the same thing uh, last year uh, at the playoffs when, uh, you know, Terrence Jeffers-Harris was signed immediately following uh, the uh, the game, uh, the Eastern Final between Winnipeg and Hamilton. And it's like, come on, Bob, you you should be trying to allow your team to focus on the on-field issues. And you go out and you tweet some crap about signing this player away from the Bombers and insinuating that you only signed him because he, he was released by the Bombers. Well no wonder your team goes out there and gets kicked whatever it was 20 to 3 and Hamilton looked you know worse than they had all year in that playoff game you the last thing you want is to draw attention onto yourself and have your players have to answer questions to the media about tweets that their owners are sending out give me a break bob we don't need this stuff and also two things one you're not 13 and the other no you're not a girl stop sending out winky faces in your tweets have some self respect you're like a 50 year old millionaire everyone wants to be you don't act like everyone else out of the way I apologize if that bothered anybody, and Ticats fans do know that I love you. I don't mean to pick on your team, and after all, you're about to land the biggest free agent that the CFL has seen in years, so you can't hate me that much, but it drives me crazy to see stuff like that coming from an owner who's supposed to be professional. uh, There's other ways to support football in Ontario, with one of them being just signing Andy Fantuz and not sending out messages oh, I want to go on an African safari. It just drives me crazy. But anyways, that's the kind of stuff that makes No Fair Catch such a great podcast and will make it such a great podcast in the future, I believe, is the fact that I can come out and call out a CFL owner like that while any other member of the media and the CFL would not be able to do that because they're worried about losing their jobs, losing face, uh, not getting an interview in the future with Bob Young because they dissed him, that kind of thing, etc. etc etc. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Now, just to talk about my podcast a little bit more, I hope you enjoy this first edition of No Fair Catch. Uh, I hope that uh, you will tune in in the future. I'm going to be doing another free agency podcast probably in the next week, just to wrap up the events uh, that uh, that did uh, continue on uh, from uh, from the whole free agency frenzy. Uh, hopefully by that uh, that time, you know, guys like Labatt, Carr, uh, Fantuz will have officially signed with their team so we can talk about them a little bit more. And also, I'm looking at getting a few CFL personalities onto my podcast. Uh, For the future, Um, possibly some media guys, possibly uh, some people from the CFL itself, and hopefully some players uh, one day. I'm going to be looking into it. Um, I can and and that I think that's part of what's going to make my podcast great. The fact that I can say whatever I want, uh, but the fact that I can also uh, get people from the CFL, people who are in the know, people who are professionals uh, coming in and doing their bits and be allowing to uh, provide my own insight and information uh, about those things uh, and celebrate this wonderful game that we have north of the border known as Canadian football. I'm Jack. This is No Fair Catch. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day.